Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Julia Chesky. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours, that's right, 15 hours of Fox News content, and then break it down so you don't have to. This project is made possible due to the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity Initiative at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism. I'm a graduate of that program. It's at CUNY City University of New York, for folks who don't live in New York. This episode is for week ending March 6, 2022. The title for this week's episode is Fox News. Let's start pumping crude oil to fight those Russian commies. It already sounds like a joke, but sadly, that is exactly what they were promoting last week on Fox News. Uh, As most of us know, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, a sovereign nation that is its neighbor, Uh, Vladimir Putin seems to be on a tear and may have possibly lost his mind, has threatened to use nukes. It's been fun. It's been a fun couple of weeks. I'm being very sarcastic with that. Um, It's been hellish. I'm kind of exhausted right now because I haven't really been sleeping Um, because I'm a child of the Cold War. I was born in the 70s and anybody born in the 70s, 60s, even early 80s, you know the joys of uh, the fear of a nuclear annihilation. We were brought up with it and no fun. It was no fun. So anyway, there's a couple things that happened this week. We had the State of the Union. That was a big deal. And Fox News tried to rewrite history a little bit with that. But I'm going to just play this opening clip before I give it away to, to show you rather than tell you what the mood was on Fox News regarding this war. Here you go. To go after Russian oil and gas. Energy. Out for energy transactions. Energy is a world affair. We're almost energy dependent, independent, remember? On the energy sector. The Russian energy sector because do Keystone. (laughs) On the Keystone pipeline. He gave into the new Green Deal and all these socialists do. He closed the Keystone pipeline. We're gonna build Keystone. We're gonna build more. Reverse it. Maybe a, a temporary hold on the Green New Deal. Vladimir Putin, he shut down our pipeline. Energy sector, well, we can't turn on the Keystone Pipeline, the Keystone XL Pipeline. The Green New Deal, but start Keystone Pipeline tomorrow. Oh, Keystone is done with Keystone. Believer in fracking, a believer in the Keystone Pipeline. Why won't Joe Biden step up our energy production here in America so we don't have to depend on Russia? Reopen the Keystone Pipeline. He killed the Keystone Pipeline. So we can be energy independent. So that is the um, audio version of that clip. The video version is two minutes long. Um, I think it plays a little bit better in video than it does audio, because in audio it's harder to understand what's going on. But it's just, that was pretty much the tone for uh, all of last week, is that no matter what the topic was, they would find a way to take it back to energy policy, and then weirdly, the Keystone XL pipeline specifically. And that's very strange for a number of reasons. Um, if you talk to anyone who's an expert in energy policy in the United States, they would could explain a lot better than I could why that's so weird. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. There's a few uh, misconceptions right off the bat. Number one, they keep pushing this idea of energy independence, and if we were independent of foreign oil, we could be this mighty warrior and, and not give to regimes like Russia or Iran, Saudi Arabia, etc. That's not how energy independence works. It just means that we um, export slightly more than we import. 
the U.S. produces a lot of fossil fuels now because of hydraulic fracking and other advancements in technology that have made it easier to get every drop of crude oil and natural gas out of the ground. But of course, it comes with all these problems and it's not great long term because it's a still it's a finite resource. So that's the first thing that they they hit up with um, is that they mislead about what energy independence is. They also weirdly, and this is across the board, um, have this idea that that gas and petroleum products are somehow nationalized, like somehow our government is making the money off of selling fossil fuels. And that's again, not at all how it works. It's ExxonMobil, it's BP, it's Shell, um, and I'm probably naming companies that aren't American, but most of these companies, the oil and gas companies are multinational. And what constitutes is an American sale and not, like we, our government benefits when we sell oil and gas, but it's not like it goes to the taxpayer. It's, it's still a corporation making a profit. This is still very much capitalism. It's, it's it's bizarre that they view it like this socialist thing because they're so pro-capitalist, but they'll say stuff like, oh, but it's our energy and the America's energy. It doesn't really matter that much because, again, it's just import-export. We were still going to import uh, fossil fuels. And again, this trend goes all the way back to 1973 during the last major energy crisis. Um, the laws were changed to make it so we would try to incentivize more domestic production. So that's the first big lie that's just not accurate. And the second one is that the Keystone Pipeline is somehow the answer. Now this is, I had to look up this all this week because I was so getting a lot of mixed messages on Twitter from different users. And the, the main thing is that the Keystone Pipeline, when it was shut down by President Joe Biden, was only 8% finished. The Keystone Pipeline XL, which is technically the full name, is an extension of a larger pipeline that is already working, that's already pumping out tons of fossil fuels. The Keystone Pipeline is Canadian oil. It's not American oil. They keep pushing this idea that it's United States will be energy independent and it's domestic. That's just not true. It's coming from Canada and it's pretty filthy oil. It's like shale well, I don't know enough about petroleum, so I'm not going to even try to walk through that. But I know that it's not incredibly clean petroleum. Then thirdly, and I explained this more in the newsletter, um, basically what we were just living through, when the U.S. started be to become energy dominant again, when we became a major energy producer, and this was something that, again, has gone all the way back to 1973, but started to dip in our direction in 2006, so what happened was Saudi Arabia saw that we were becoming a major um, petroleum producer and it worried them because Saudi Arabia doesn't really have a lot going on besides oil. So they uh, start producing too much of it to drive the price down because fracking is more expensive to get oil out of the ground. And they knew we couldn't compete with their oil that was just being drilled straight out of the ground. So the price per barrel went from $100 to $55 pretty quickly in a matter of months. And then Russia kind of did the same thing using the same mindset of, well, we're going to beat the Americans. And so we had really kind of artificially low gas prices for a while there. And the pandemic hit and that screwed everything up. And supply and demand got all screwed up because uh, demand fell off a cliff 
And so everybody stopped producing. And that's part of the problem and part of the reason why the market is still screwed up to this day. So what we're still dealing with now is that the economy roared back to life way too quickly. And when I was in school, I had the business concentration, not because I'm crazy about business, but I thought the teacher, Greg David, was the best teacher in the school. I'm sure he's not listening. <laughs> but uh and one of the things that the economists kept telling us is they kept saying, well, what we're about to enter is unprecedented. Uh, they were calling it the science experiment of economies because we've never been through an extended period of inactivity where some people were working and some people weren't. And some industries were completely shut down and other industries were gangbusters. And now we're roaring back to life. So all these Fox pundits keep blaming Biden and Kamala Harris and Democrats for this, that, and the other thing. But this is this, what we're going through right now. We've literally never been through before. This is uncharted territory. Okay, so this next clip, I don't want to give it away. Um, you'll hear it. But I, I heard references in, like, there are four references total in the 15 hours I watched that were very misleading. And they were all, like, throwaways like they'd say it under their breath or they'd say it at the end of a statement and I was like wait what are you talking about so this is the clearest reference to it and I made a joke out of this clip and put it on Twitter where I made fun of the clip but I'm just gonna play it you'll hear it and if you know the typical Fox News viewer you'll get why they're doing this here you go filled out the application yesterday this is brilliant this is exactly what Vladimir Putin fears he fills out the application as he doesn't want them part of Europe he doesn't want them part of NATO they want both they want no part of Russia nobody wants that culture nobody wants that socialism nobody wants that pseudo communism all right so if you're like one of my many brilliant uh, hilarious witty um, well-read Twitter followers and I love my Twitter followers all 4,000, some of you, um, you're amazing. Uh, you will easily hear the mistake in his comment. Um, he implies that Russia is either communist or socialist. Okay, that is nowhere near the truth. And I, I also find that, like, weirdly, fans of communism somehow still think that Russia is socialist. I've, I've noticed that on Twitter. And that is so far from the truth basically what happened and i went over to the soviet union when i was in high school with a student exchange program and i stayed in soviet flats and i stayed in a pioneer camp which is like a scout camp but it's their indoctrination camp for communism and in 1990 the whole thing was falling apart i was a teenager so the communism part of the program wasn't very strong it was it was weakening but i do feel really bad for what happened to the Russian economy and to the Russian people. I think they kind of got a raw deal. Um, basically what happened is as they were trying to transition from communism over, instead of coming from a free market like we did from the ground up, where, you know, yes, there were some rich people who were in the United States who owned way too much land and that sort of thing happened, but you could still have a, a you know, if you were a white male, <laughs> Let's be honest, a white male who's British, especially and Protestant, especially, and you were hardworking and yada yada, you could build yourself up. And now it's better for other people, but back in the day, especially, it was, you know, but there's still that hope. There's still that grain of hope that you could pull yourself up. You could make something of yourself. That's what we're used to. But in this, in the Soviet Union, what happened was when it fell apart, 
the high-ranking party members kind of just doled out all the wealth to other high-ranking party members. And that was the beginning of the oligarchs. So they didn't get a true free market. They got this rigged market where, you know, 30 people own everything. So like all the coal mines were owned by one guy and the entire aluminum uh, industry was owned by one guy. And some of it was also from like the Russian mafia, you know, killing people and, and, and going their way up and taking over things. It's, it was kind of a combination of uh, how communism was dismantled very poorly and how the mafia sort of also took over. And Putin, through his KGB days and through false flag events and all kinds of horrible things, I don't want to waste too much time on Putin, rose to the top and has basically made himself, you know, leader of Russia for life. He's either prime minister or president, but when he's either or, he has all the power. They don't have free elections. Right now, they don't have a free press. They don't have... Uh, freedom of speech like we know it. They can't, they, they get arrested for protesting. It's been a nightmare. So that's what the Russian people are stuck with. So I don't blame the Russian people for what's going on right now, but that, but they are certainly not socialist and they're certainly not communist. They have a stock market. They have a very corrupt version of a free market, but they have a free market economy. So we had the State of the Union address and Fox took it to uh, bash Biden, but bash him for something that was he hadn't even done. I'm just going to play the clip and you'll hear it. But they kept saying he had flip-flopped, he had changed his point of view, and yada, yada, and you'll hear it in the clip. We get it. No one buys it, as well as you, defunding the police. I want to fund the police. Right. Really? Does any cop out there or their families believe he believes that? And I'm, not, I'm totally opposed to defunding the police officers. As a matter of fact, police, local police, the only one defunding in his budget calls for a $400 million cut in local law enforcement assistance. They need more assistance. Support defunding the police. No, I don't support defunding the police. What are the things that need to be done to improve and help police officers? I'm the only one who's talked about increasing police budgets. I believe in law and order. I've never supported defunding the police. Our strategy provides uh, including funding for law enforcement through the American Rescue Plan for states, cities, and to be able to hire police and pay them overtime in order to advance community policing. And of course, all those clips that you heard after the Fox clip were made in 2020-2020 during the election, all the way back to June. Uh, Biden has always been incredibly consistent. He has never supported defund the police. And the progressives were very angry at him over that. So that was just so blatantly false. And it's just another example of Fox misleading their viewers. So the next thing we're going to move on to is stories that Fox News didn't cover. And I normally put this later in the podcast, but I'm putting it up at the front for a very good reason. So last week, the UN came out with a very alarming climate report. And of course, Fox News didn't mention it because it would kind of kill their whole the Keystone Pipeline will save humanity narrative um it, the the actual i have a link to it if you want to be insane and read 3675 pages um but there's also a summary basically it's like global warming's happening much faster than they thought the window to try to save the planet is shrinking and some of this damage may be irreversible there was also an extreme flood happening in australia not mentioned on fox at all it's considered one of the worst environmental disasters in that country's history there's also another, uh, this is a great one, another um, story that Fox did not report on, which was the excellent jobs report. 
Uh, the economy added 6, 678,000 new jobs, which is gangbusters. That's crazy good. Um, and of course, they didn't mention it. They're just talking about inflation. And, and basically, like Fox News is has turned into the blame Biden uh, channel. That's all they do. Like, they will find it. And I, I'm not going to give my opinion about, about Biden or really anything political because that's not the point of the show. But if you like Biden, you might not want to watch Fox News because it is just nonstop. Blame Biden, call Kamala an idiot, and when in doubt, just mention AOC because they love talking about AOC. Okay, and the, the final uh, story that they didn't mention, which was which would have been the biggest story of the week had there not been this horrific war, is there were some huge developments in the January 6th commission. So a recent court filing alleges that former President Donald J. Trump and his lawyer John Eastman were part of a criminal conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election, and a member of the Oath Keepers has already pleaded guilty to charges of seditious conspiracy, as well as other charges, and is cooperating with federal investigators, including testifying in front of a grand jury. That's enormous. And it would have been the top story of the week had uh, everything not been dominated by Ukraine, and it sh rightfully should be dominated by Ukraine. What's happening is an absolute just disaster. Um, and speaking of that, I have the dubious expert of the week, which is the entire cast of The Five. Now, if you've never watched The Five, oh my good, this is like the biggest waste of television. <laughs> it's the dumbest show on Fox. It's one of the most highly rated. I'll just give you a breakdown. It is shown at 5 p.m. And this is one of the biggest shows on Fox. So you can just guess at who that audience is. Because who's home at 5 p.m. watching TV news? That would be my parents, uh, some people's grandparents, pe boomers, basically. And my parents do not watch Fox News. But if they, <laughs> they were union members. But um, if my parents were watching TV news, I could, they like eat dinner at six. Like this, this is normal. So the five is like this hit, hit show. It's always like one of the top highly rated shows, which blows my mind. And it's five people sitting around a table talking about topics and they never know what they're talking about. And now that we're in a war, we're, we're not in a war, but now that there's this major war going on, it is next level cringeworthy. And um, so I'll just break it down. If you've never seen the five, they have a, a judge or a lawyer. It's usually Judge Janine Pirro. They have a token liberal, and it's usually Dana Perino, who used to be the um, press secretary for George W. Bush. And then, not always, but then it's just two random Fox personalities. And it rotates. And the person they consider a liberal is never really a liberal. They'll be like, I'm a liberal, <laughs> but I agree with all of you guys 100% on everything. So it's kind of laughable. But I'm just going to play a clip of them and they're discussing their brilliant strategy for how to handle the war in Ukraine. And when I say brilliant, that's brilliant in quotes. I'm totally, completely making fun of them. The Carpathian Mountains there. And so you'd want to carve out as a buffer Moldova because if that cuts off any invasion corridor from the south and Russia would want to do that. So that makes perfect logical sense to just keep going west there and secure Moldova. Could be exactly right, Jesse. 
In World War II, when Churchill was begging for aircraft from the United States before we entered the war, uh, we, they, they contrived a, a, a device whereby they would take the airplanes to the border on the American side, then use horses to take them across to Canada, uh, where they, uh, and then they could fly them from Canada to the Great Britain for the fight. You know, it's funny. It just occurred to me, no one knows how to explain the convoy. Could it be a protest against COVID mandates? <laughs> <laughs> After witnessing that laugh on camera, it was just absolutely painful. Um, that's Greg Gutfeld. He's sort of a comedian who has worked his way up through Fox and now has his own show uh, called Gutfeld, which is the same, it's Gutfeld with an exclamation point, which is the, the same format, five people sitting around talking, which I think is the most useless format for a new show. Sorry. Sorry, The View. I just, <laughs> would be another one. I just think it's the most useless format because it's like none of you guys know what you're talking about. So it's like, can you have an expert on? Nope, no expert, just a bunch of blowhards. So uh, Greg Gutfeld had at one point uh, a show that was like the late night show on Fox called Red Eye. And Gavin McInnes, founder of the Proud Boys, was a semi-regular guest on that show until he got fired for being a jerk, basically. And there's different versions of why he got fired. I've heard different versions of why he got fired, but... I got my start covering the Proud Boys, so I know way too much about all of them, and I just find that kind of cringeworthy every time I see Greg Gutfeld. Um, and Greg is like, I don't think he's funny, but I guess he's like their comedian, so he will make horrible jokes like that. And it's like, oh my God. So I did compare this week uh, footage of Fox to PBS NewsHour, which is, I think, the gold standard for uh, news programs. For instance, PBS NewsHour, when they covered the State of the Union address, they had a Democrat on for seven minutes, a Democratic senator, and they had a Republican senator on for seven minutes the day before the State of the Union address. And it was very professional, and they spoke for exactly the exact same amount of time. And to me, if you were, I always say this, I love promoting their show, but if you want to watch a good nonpartisan, no spin, no snarky left or right uh, swing to it, PBS NewsHour is amazing. And Judy Wood Woodruff, which is the um, anchor who's been around forever, she's amazing because she's so chill and just very professional. I just love her. So anyway, but the way they handled the coverage compared to Fox is just night and day. Fox had a, a slew of teenage girls on to talk about the horrors of war in Ukraine, which I thought was kind of ex... ex it's, it felt exploitative because these poor kids could like barely speak English. They seemed completely freaked out and it was just trying to elicit an emotional response in their audience. So they're not even adults. They're, they're still like 15 year olds. And it was just, I don't know. I did not feel great about that. And they also had a young woman on talk about rapes and I, she hadn't seen any directly, but she'd heard stories and I completely believe her because that's what happens during war. But they had like Jesse Waters interviewing her and he's like this kind of bro type um, who's always playing at Mr. Cool. And it just it wasn't it was just totally the wrong energy. And I just was very uncomfortable because he didn't seem to know how to handle the material. And she felt she obviously was freaked out. And I was just like, this is making me sick. And then Fox shows a map a lot of Ukraine and they go around and they show the battles and they show this is where the Russians are and they're overtaking this city and this city. they spend a lot of time on maps of Ukraine and I don't really know how that's helpful to people I don't care for it I just think they over sensationalize the entire uh, 
war and their bumpers, which are like the trailers in between the shows, kind of look like it's a football game. Like they, they pump it up and they have music playing and, you know, like Ukraine, Russia conflict. I mean, I'm overdoing it, but that's kind of how it comes across. And it's just awful. And then the PBS NewsHour, in comparison, did a piece on oligarchs where they explained what they are. Um, the suppression of the Russian media, of, of how your typical Russian citizen now is not getting anything but propaganda, and how they've shut down television stations and radio stations and papers. They did a um, detailed uh, profile on President Zelensky of Ukraine. They talked about the anti-war movement in Russia and how people can be arrested for protesting, which is very scary. Um, they did a segment on parents in Ukraine and trying to raise children during this horrible, horrible time. And the best thing about PBS is they had, they interview government officials and uh, elderly people and uh, volunteer, like aid workers and soldiers and parents and young people. And it's just this incredibly comprehensive overview. And they're not hiding anything. They're not softening the war, but you get a better sense of what's going on. It, it, Fox News kind of feels like war porn and PBS NewsHour feels like, okay, I'm talking to an adult who's explaining this horror to me. And it is a horror. Um, it's a really awful thing to watch all day. And I really feel sorry for the uh, correspondents who are over there. I My heart just goes out to them. Um, I saw clips of some Sky uh, journalists from Sky News who were like running as they were being ambushed by Russians and they shouldn't have been. It said press on their uh, their bulletproof vests and they had blue helmets, but they were still being shot at. And that's a war crime. And it's just, that's the reality of what, uh, you know, Eastern Europe is going through right now. It's absolutely terrifying. And the other thing that I want to add is the scary thing about Fox is because they're like, especially on the five, you're dealing with five people who do not have any training in the military. They do not have any background in the State Department. And the way they talk about this war is like little boys talking about a war. They have no idea what they're talking about. And they're like, what we need is a no-fly zone. And it's like most experts would tell you that's World War III. That's the beginning of World War III. We can't do that. As much as we'd love to help, we can't do that. Or they're just so flippant about stupid, stupid things. Like, we'll just send a plane in there secretly and bomb Putin. Well, we can't do that. We're Like, they have satellites. They know... <laughs> It's not World War II. They'll see us coming, you idiots. So, but the final segment is what I call um, by the numbers. And that's when I look up, I make a huge transcript of the whole Megillah. And it's usually like 150 pages. It's actually relatively easy to do. Um, and then I just search for words. And this week was pretty funny because they mentioned a pipeline more than Zelensky. They mentioned Russian oil almost three times as often as they said Zelensky. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was mentioned eight times for no reason. Um, they, they have a term for environmentalists. It's the Greens. I don't know what that is. Or Greenies. That got mentioned six times. Um, and NATO was mentioned more often than Zelensky as well. Um, and energy independence came up 16 times. Keystone came up 24 times. And then the rest are pretty self-explanatory, like Russia, Ukraine, Putin, Biden, energy. But energy was 173 times. That's how often 
They talked about energy more than they talked about NATO, which is bizarre. So that was what they came up with. And then I added to the newsletter a special bonus, which I call Tucker and Putin, A Love Story in Three Acts, which is the three stages of Tucker's infatuation with, disillusionment with, and then, no, no, turn away. And I won't give it away, but he has a moment of reckoning of why Vladimir Putin is no longer his best friend. Thank you so much for listening. This is the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I, you know, it means the world to me that anybody would listen to my podcast. This is a brand new project. I'll be, uh, next week I'm focusing on Laura Ingram as my new person to listen to and focus on, see what she comes up with. She's like, woo, she's like every Disney villainess, but without the glamour. That's my imitation of Laura Ingram. So please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, of course. I am the ultimate Twitter user. And Facebook and YouTube. Facebook and YouTube are my name. I'll be back here same time, same station, sometime Monday night. I'm not sure when I finish these. Thank you so much for listening.